Good evening, and you're very welcome back to episode three of the Women's Premier Division podcast. I'm not quite sure what we call it anymore. It's all a bit up in the air with the new rebrand of the league, but it's all about women's soccer on International Women's Day, 8th of March, of course. And joining me again, uh, representing the ladies, both of us, not so much. Uh, Aaron, are you welcome back to another episode of the show? Looking forward to it, especially. It's, it's, it's great to see so many different posts of women's soccer players you know through social media and stuff like that today different types of pictures and stuff like that just remonstrating on what the last year's been been like and it's been a great year for for women's soccer in this country and no better way to celebrate it as we continue to look ahead to another exciting weekend of weekend of fixtures and look back to last week the first week of the season yeah as good as last year was i think this year has the potential to even surpass that new look teams in the division of course we got to see our first looks in competitive action for shamrock rovers and go united of course dlo are not in action this week they take to the field for the first time away to Piedmont uh, this weekend. There'll be a few girls not quite sure which dressing room to go into because they were on the other side last year. I think I count five. It could be more. We'll find out all the details uh, from the DLR manager in just a few moments. Graham Kelly will, of course, be joining us in a few moments' time. But I suppose, first of all, Aaron, uh, some big games last weekend. Shamrock Rovers uh, came promising lots. They just about got over the line against uh, a very, very resilient Sligo Rovers side. We'll hear from um, Stephanie Roach, Stephanie Zambra, should I say? I'm going to make that mistake a lot this season, uh, and also from her manager, um, which feels weird as well, Collie O'Neill of Shamrock Rovers, as well as um, uh, we hear from the the Sligo Rovers side of things as well. I spoke to a couple of their uh, individuals involved in that team after the, the end, Steve Feeney uh, for one, as well as uh, Leah Kelly. So we'll hear from them later in the show. But you were at games over the weekend as well. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I was really impressed. I was really impressed with Shelburne. Uh, I thought their ability was was superb. Kayla Hamrick was was brilliant. Megan Smith Lynch starting the season off as she finished last year with two dinks against against Cork. The, the goal she scored would stick in my mind from last year when when she scored the goal that put them back into the league with the late late winner against Cork and in, in Talca Park. Expected a bit more probably from Cork last week, but I don't know if it's the case that shells were just good. Like the thirty shots Shelburne had on on Saturday, which is an awful lot. And they were really good. Enjoyed parts. Enjoyed parts of the P Mountain that long game. Got to watch a good bit of Sligo Rovers and and Shamrock Rovers as well. My only real complaint. There's only really one downside the last weekend for me, and that was not being able to stream multiple games at once. But other than that, I enjoyed the football. I saw your tweets giving out. I saw your tweets giving out. You're becoming a grumpy old man, Aaron, at this stage. Uh, but uh, speaking of grumpy old men, no, I promise you, Graham, I'm not messing. Uh, we're going to take in uh, Graham Kelly, who joins us now. I know you're not grumpy, at least not yet anyway, Graham. You must not give out about it at this stage. You haven't kicked the ball yet. Uh, welcome to the show, first and foremost. Thanks, lads. Good to be here. Um, it's been third season, and it's the first time we've had you on. And for probably the longest serving manager in the league, yourself and James O'Callaghan will be definitely up there. I can't think of any that are there as long. Uh, Tommy Hewitt, I suppose, is in there too in that conversation. But in terms of um, your contribution, you must be just itching to get underway. Haven't had the weekend off last weekend. Yeah, looking forward to it. You know, the girls are, are really buzzing now in training. Great session last night. Uh, we trained Saturday morning and then some of the girls went to watch games and, you know, luckily enough, the the good thing was I got to watch a lot of teams uh, last weekend. That's the only benefit of being idle on the first weekend. I think you were, I think we were, spend, we were speaking to you before at the league launch, you were saying you were going to get to two games. Like, it's yeah. not, it's when, when you're idle and especially when you, you can see your competitors the week before, it's nice as well instead of watching the back on a, on a video, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is. Look, and we obviously had played Piedmont in pre-season early on anyway, so got to look at the quality they have, but it was good to see them in competitive action last week as well. So, yeah, it was really good. Talk to us a bit about the comings and goings over the, the winter. It's been a strange kind of off-season because so many changes, new clubs coming in, the change to professionalism. We might chat about that as well a little bit, uh, in a few minutes, but... Um, in terms of your squad, it's it's a very new look side for you in Belfield this season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Twelve players went out and eleven players came in, um, and, and and that was a knock-on effect of a of different and completely different circumstances for some players. Um, at the end of the season, I was aware that four players were were moving on, you know, and, and I had conversations with them. Four players, we sat down, did, did things properly, had good conversation, and and they left for various reasons, which absolutely no problem with. Uh, a lot of players had agreed to sign back um, and then for different reasons when I think the announcement came in of part-time, full-time contracts there was obviously a knock-on effect from different clubs and, and we probably got the biggest knock-on effect where we lost another eight players and the disappointing thing was some of them had already signed back, you know, which was obviously really tough because it's um, you're, you're trying to build on we finished the season really strong last season so we wanted to try and keep that core group together, add a couple to it um, I think at that stage we'd got Izzy Finnegan and uh, Chelsea in, but then obviously the, uh, the everything changed over this next sort of three to four weeks. In terms, in terms of the the way things went, Graham, with the, with the off season, like for you as a manager, like it must be it must have been strange. Obviously the announcement comes out, then it just it's just not even for you guys. For every club, it's nearly as if it's just a massive free for all, massive changes. Players coming one way or the other. You're seeing signings coming that you're like, I didn't expect that. How was it as a manager? Tough, tough. It's it's tough. It's exhausting because, um, as I say, you're you're trying to obviously put your squad together. You're trying to keep a core group of players together. Um, and obviously, look, managers are allowed to talk to them, and and some some of the promises players were made were off the wall. If you ask me, some of them are obviously genuine. Um, but look, it's football and it happens in the men's game every season. You'd have a lot of movements. It's new to the women's game. And I think this year that's probably what caught everyone by surprise because it, it's new. You, you'd never really see that much movement uh, in the women's game before, especially in an off-season. On a practical level, though, uh, we've all seen the kind of names who've moved around. And, and you can't fault them when they're, when they're promised on and offered certain things uh, at various clubs. People have to look after their own interests at, at, as well as, as what... They want to do with a club or, or the loyalties they may have there but in terms of the actual practical situation when a club comes into the league with a, a big checkbook um everyone else trying to compete are we on a, a slippery slope to where maybe we're all going to price ourselves out of all of these players it could be uh Brefney, it's a very good point it's obviously you know for us we don't have any men's section so we don't have the financial backing of any men's team um, as a standalone club, we can't offer players full-time or part-time contracts. We do give them expenses uh, and they're looked after in every other way possible. But it's it is um, it, it's hard to see where the money comes back in. If if players are being paid, some of the rumours that are going around, where does the clubs get that money back in the long run? Like Where are we going to be in two years' time? Uh, which is, is a concern. But look, from our point of view, we're self-funded. We're okay financially. We have all our books done for the season. The girls are looked after, so we're, we're fine where we are. My biggest concern on that is the fact that like clubs are just going to... It's it's Some clubs are potentially just throwing money down the drain. But Graham, in terms of like, you know, with the off-season being so mental, players are signing professional contracts. Some are, some are signing amateur contracts. 
it's going to make even the likes of the summer transfer completely window completely different because with players being on a professional contract, it's not as simple as I just want to I want to leave you. I'm an amateur player. I want to move. I want to move to this club or that club. Yeah. How does that? How does that sort of? How do you think that's going to have an impact? It's going to be difficult because I'm not sure how many clubs have full time contracts or professional contracts. But if I, if someone is on a full time professional contract, then obviously they can't leave in the summer. Bar they come to an agreement with the club to terminate the contract, or they could go out on loan, which could be another option. That if a player is unhappy um, and they want to get some game time and they want to go out on loan, that's obviously going to be an option as well for players. Um, but it will be interesting to see come the summer um, what type of movement there is. Today, the PFAI have a social media post out celebrating International Women's Day, and they went and spent a bit of time with what they describe as the Ireland's first group of female professional football players, um, with Shamrock Rovers, obviously. Um, are they the only club in the league, to your knowledge, that are giving out professional contracts, or is it just that the scale of what they're doing is bigger than everybody else? It's probably just the scale, and I'm not sure, again, I can only talk about our own club, but I'm not sure exactly how many professional contracts Shamrock Rovers or Bowles or Shelbourne or anyone Wexford have given out. Uh, I'd say the scale of probably what Shamrock Rovers has done is probably more than, than anybody, and that's why the PFAI posted. I, I, I can't imagine they, they'll be going around to all clubs if they've only one or two professional contracts. I know they do it in the men's game, but again, that's because the whole squad would be professional. Yeah, just for the record, there's 16 players in the photograph and uh, based on the figures I've heard on the grapevine for what a professional contract or even what an amateur, a part-time professional contract is, that's a considerable six-figure contribution if they are all on a minimum of the semi-pro contract. And again, let's talk about reality here, numbers. Say a thousand people go to games, which is the, the most we've had at nearly any league game in the country over the last couple of years they were to average a thousand people at an average of a fiver that's only fifty that's only fifty thousand home game at home games through the season like that's a five figure sum and not even close to six figures there's a huge gulf there is it sustainable i don't know again i i don't have any idea what finances other clubs have and um, i think it will be difficult because i don't know where the money comes back in in the women's game it's it's obviously if you get into europe and you can get to the later stages then there is some money that comes back into it, but the prize money for winning the league hasn't gone up. You know, winning the cup hasn't gone up. So, um, the rewards for winning the league and the cup aren't massive. You know, to help that type of budget. From from a club like like DLR, though, it must be difficult in terms of like because even I'd say you, everything has gone up this year. So even costs and stuff like that. Whereas we talk a lot of people seeing the women doing well, the international doing well. But look, we don't tend to see to the smaller clubs the drip feed of even, you know, the government supports were great during COVID. But with the, with the way everything's gone now, we don't tend to see more and more coming through. So like, it puts a lot more pressure on the likes of yourself, P-Mount, Wexford, Wexford, although they're technically a separate club, but they do, Wexford, you, Wexford FC have a smaller budget. The likes of them, it puts a lot more pressure onto these clubs to actually have to go and raise money, raise, raise opportunities and really push to have people in the ground. Yeah, absolutely, it, it does. Um, and, and again, that was obviously something that myself and the committee spoke at the end of the season and we were doing the budget for the new the new year. Um, and, and it's look, we had to do some fundraising this year. We have a fundraising committee set up. Some parents have got involved, which has been fantastic. We've done a player sponsorship this year that we've we never done before. And the feedback from that has been brilliant. Just spoke to a company yesterday. They're going to sponsor six players. You know, so companies are interested and it's just getting the word out there that, you know, the, the women's game is a good product. Obviously, this year there's going to be a lot of highlights on the international team, but if we can get people into the ground, like air 
season tickets this year are 59 euro for a season ticket. There's 10 home games plus the new league cup that was launched plus the FAI cup. So if you can get a season ticket for 59 euro, you get access to all them. Where if you just wait and pay in on the day, it's 10 euro. So straight away, if you're paying in on the gate, it's 10 euro. You're going to say you're going to get four games free in the league, plus you're getting the league cup free. And if we get drawn at home in the FAI cup, so the benefit for us to try and push season tickets, um, and obviously then that's money coming in straight away. In terms of the uptake, has that has there been a good response to that? It's been good, yeah. It's it's, it's probably been the best we've had over the last. We've done season tickets now the last. This will be the third year, and it's the best so far. Excellent. And you mentioned the new League Cup competition. That's uh, eleven teams from the Republic and five from the Northern Ireland Football League. Excited by what that might mean for teams like yourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's brilliant. I think it's a great competition, you know, to bring in the cross-border competition. It'll bring a lot of interest. I think it'll generate a bit of excitement. It's obviously done in sort of June to July. Um, if there is international players, they'll be in camp with Vera. So it does give younger players a chance to come through and play in that competition as well. Uh, and I, I just think it'll be really good. I think, again, it'll bring good publicity on the game here. I think for me, it's a, it's, it's a, step, in the, it's a step in the right direction. Because we we see an awful lot of talks about, and even in the men's league the last couple of years, an all our league and things like that. And we've never had this sort of thing in the women's game. We've always sort of seen the teams from the south playing teams in the north in a friendly because they just didn't necessarily want to play women's national league teams. Like it's a great idea, and I think a lot of people are probably concerned with the gap between the league the, the league break. It's a nice filler though for the fact that you know you're going to have a couple of games, you're going to have a an opportunity, but like. It's also giving players a new experience that maybe they didn't have. It's it's a first chance to win a silverware that's never been won as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's great. Um, and look, you're obviously going to be in four groups of four. So there could be two teams in Northern Ireland in one group and then each other uh, group will have one team. Plus you still have your, your own teams or your own league. So it's going to be competitive. You know, even though it's a League Cup, it's going to be competitive. And, and it's a great chance, you know, as you say, to win a brand new competition and Everyone's going into it, whether that's a team from the north or the south. Going, this is a competition that I want to win. I'm guessing also it gives you that opportunity for maybe girls studying, leaving search to, to opt out of that tournament and out of the squad for that period and concentrate on their studies, which happens from time to time. But now it doesn't have an impact on the league table. Yeah, of course, because normally there's a break in June, and um, for the sort of three weeks of June. But this year, obviously, them games will be played. But we have a couple of girls that are doing leaving cert and like that. We just say to them, look, that's three weeks. You take off. You do your leaving cert, and you come back in when you're ready. In terms of the game of the weekend, putting our attention to actual football for a moment, um, have you given them a map to Piedmont, or do the girls kind of know at this stage how to get there? I think they know where they're going by now, all right. Um, but yeah, look, it, it's going to be a tough game. Piedmont are a quality side. They've they've kept the core group of players together. They've lost, I think, what four to to Shamrock Rovers, and they lost a couple of underage to ourselves. But they have that core group of experience there. Um, seeing the weekend, if you make any mistakes against them, you're going to be punished. We've seen that in the friendly that we played them early on. So we know how tough it's going to be. Um, but we're excited. We're looking forward to it. So we had a really good training session last night. We're back in tomorrow night, preparing as best we can. In terms of the young group that you have, how do you set expectations, especially considering so many maybe have limited national league experience or some someone maybe are stepping up from underage with the experience guys that girls that you've still kept? How do you set the expectations this year? It's just, you know, go out and be competitive. You know, that's one thing about the league. It's going to be really competitive this year, no matter who you're playing. And we've seen that last weekend. But for our girls, for the young girls, they've no fear. I think that's the best about working with these young players. Like we've seen our under-19 team last year win the league in a very competitive under-19 league. And they were so good in that final against Shamrock Rovers. And there'll be six players in that final in the match day squad. 
uh, yeah, five, I think it is, in the match day squad on Saturday. But they're exciting young players that have no fear. And, and I'm not going to say they don't respect the opposition. They do, but they're not going to be feared by names. They just go out and play the game, you know. And I, I think having the likes of the experience there with Jess Gleeson, Eve Badana, you know, Sarah McKevitt, Katie Malone, they're, they're experienced National League players that will help the younger players through the game. You kind of stolen my, my next question. I was going to ask you about the fact that you've lost a dozen players out of that squad last year, but still have the likes of the girls you mentioned. You can throw in, I suppose, Eve Badana, um, Catherine Cronin in there as well, in terms of the, the, the impact they'll make. Brona Kane even has a couple of years' experience at this level too. So um, what do they give you that kind of framework you can build uh, those youngsters, get that experience into their kind of their legs, that muscle memory to kind of play at this level? Yeah, absolutely. And look, we still have Nicole Kyo, we have Brophy that have been with us there for five years now, uh, going into the fifth season with the club as well. So even to have them players that have been around so long, know how we want to play, how we work as a group, you know, that's hugely beneficial. And then, like you're saying, the likes of Catherine Crown can be brilliant with the younger players. You know, if Catherine is dealing with a player that's playing the left wing, she'll pass on the advice that she that she's learned over the last 10 years playing in this league. Um, so I think it's a good balance. You know, it is quite young, the squad, compared to where we were last year. But as I say, they're, they're exciting players and they've no fear. So let's see what happens. And in terms of the players itself, like you've seen even Joy Raff last year come on and made a, a massive impact. A lot of people are talking about Michelle Dune and probably didn't work out for her the way she would have wanted at P-Mount. But someone like that probably has a bit of a point to prove two players who can score goals as well. Yeah, yeah, the two girls are natural goal scorers, you know, and, and Joy Rafa's 17, Michelle's, I think, 18, just gone 19, so they're quite young. Um, not a whole lot of National League experience, but if they get a chance, they know how to finish, you know, and, and that's the, the good thing about the two girls. That there's a bit of excitement around and see who can uh, who can get the nod to play the weekend, if not mm-hmm. to do it. Can you not give us any clue now? You're not going to give us the second one for no, not just yet. I don't know it. So, <laughs> well, listen. Th- thanks so much for joining us. We did get a comment in on uh, on our socials from Francis Bullardi. It's great to see Graham Kelly on the show. So we completely agree with you. Uh, thank you to Graham for making himself available this evening. Graham, very best of luck to you at the weekend as you kickstart your season. Might be last of the party, but we'll see how uh, things fare out for you starting with Piedmont away on Cheers. Saturday evening. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, meeting, guys. Cheers. Cheers, Graham. Graham Kelly there joining us. Uh, I really enjoyed that. I think DLR, they've always kind of had that opportunity to maybe kick on. Haven't quite seen it in the last year or two. Um, can they do it with young players this year, do you think? Biggest problem for them last year, they probably struggled a little bit with consistency. They won their first two games and they won their last two games. It's the only time all season they'd actually won two in a row. I think it's going to be a difficult season. Graham's under no illusion. And I think he, he, he was sort of hinting at that, that it's they're not going to have a fear. They're going to have to go and play. But... The problem is, is and he, he probably won't mind me saying this, there might be a time or two this season where they'll take a, a lesson off a, te- off a team with the inexperience that they have. But the, pro- the players will learn massively from it. And I think it's going to take them a couple of, a bit of time just to grow into it. But I'd say as, they continue, as the younger players continue to get more and more experience, they will continue, they will improve. They will improve. But there's a lot of players there that do have National League experience. And in and around that battle from, say, 7th to 11th, they're going to be all very competitive teams. Yes, the LR will be looking to try aim higher, but within that sort of core group of four or five teams, they're all going to be capable of beating each other on their day. And then the likes of the LR, like they've taken points off teams in and around them last year. Yes, they yes they've lost some quality players, but it's an opportunity for some of the younger players to maybe have that have that cut and winning experience, winning winning habits on their age. Five players in the squad, as he said, for this weekend. 
that'll that'll give a boost and some others have won national leagues as well so it's it's a it's a time to watch on but it's it's good to see where when graham talks about like how they've had to put a lot of work into the background to, to make sure that they've been able to, to come on this season in terms of and, and put the the, the the place the players on the pitch with things like expenses and stuff like that because it can't be easy for a club like that yeah, I suppose on the positive side, if you've got to replace with young players, it's as well be pulling from the under 19 league champions. It's not a bad pot to pull from Absolutely for the squad not. for this year. Let's turn our attention to some of the games played last weekend. And I suppose first on the list, really, uh, was down in Athlone as Piemont made the journey down there. Started bright for Athlone, they took the lead early on, uh, but Piemont really took control of the game from that. Let's hear from our reporter who was at the game, and that was Sean Cohn. Full-time in Lizzie Wollen and Athlone Town have been defeated 3-1 by P-Mount United in the final game of the WPD's opening weekend. Athlone would take the lead just four minutes in. Chloe Singleton, the new signer from Galway WC, put them ahead. Mirren Devaney put a high ball out left. And Lorna Callan was put under pressure from Madison Gibson, who she fouled. Kayleigh Shine took the free and Chloe Singleton rose highest to give Athlone the lead. But the celebrations were cut short, I suppose, just five minutes later. Um, Kate Mooney equalised for P-Mount United. Athlone failed to win the first ball from one of their own kickouts, and Shauna Brennan was put under pressure in the left-hand corner. Her ball back to Kara Glacken in the Athlone net was just not powerful enough. Kate Mooney got in there first and slipped it by the young Russian Athlone goalkeeper. Both sides played good football for the next half hour or such, but there was no concrete chances. Uh, it didn't come until about five minutes from half-time when Carol McManus, just outside the Athlone box, took an awkward one out from under her feet and forced Glacken to pedal backwards and tip it over the bar. From the ensuing corner, Glacken did punch clear, but Athlone were coming out. Sive Doyle dispossessed him and ran to the byline, putting it across. Athlone failed to deal with that ball across, and Aaron McLaughlin ultimately got on the end of it and put it in to change the half-time team talks. The second half, much like long periods of the first half, neither side had any concrete chances, and a ball was ultimately put on it just 10 minutes from time. A cross came in from the right-hand side and Julia Weidhofer went to clear it, but she took down Kate Mooney, who just got there beforehand. Karen Duggan stepped up to take the penalty, although Glacken guessed the right way, the ball was squeezed in. With that, P-Man come away with three points from Lizzie Wollen on the opening night. Great uh, result there for Piedmont. They got their season up and running, and we spoke about how they were. They lost a couple of high-profile players to their new neighbours down the road there in Tallinn, Shamrock Rovers. They'll be quite happy to get the ball rolling against last year's um, cup finalists and, and league runners up, and, and I suppose President's Cup winners as recently as last weekend. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think there was a lot of passages of play from from Piedmont that you can see the things they've been trying to work on and the things they've been they've been doing. And it, 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 as the season grows on, you can see that the newer players are starting to gel into that team. A couple of more games, they'll become even they'll become even stronger. And I think a lot of people will start talking will maybe talk less a little bit about Piedmont losing the players and more about the players that they actually still have they have at the moment. I think from an Athlone point of view, Tommy be probably disappointed with the first two goals in particular that they did concede because you can't you can't just give the possession away the way they gave the ball away and they were punished and that's the problem at this level. Team, teams like Piedmont will be ruthless against you when you give them a, a half an opportunity and they took their chances. Kira Glacken, yes, she went the she went the right way with the penalty. I thought she was she was decent enough in, in goal for for Athlone and the changes that Tommy tried to make maybe just didn't work in in terms of. The personnel switches, but for Piedmont, it's a great win. I think Athlone it will definitely set them up, set them up for the season, and they look they look to bounce back because it's it's never easy starting against one of the top teams. 
Yeah, we mentioned uh, some of those defectors to Shamrock Rovers this season. They, of course, also down that same road for part of it, at least. Uh, they turned right for Sligo, uh, where Pima would have gone left for Athlone. And it was Shamrock Rovers who made that journey down to the showgrounds. Um, probably not as easy as they might have anticipated, or at least we probably would have predicted on the show last week. Sligo Rovers love handed me lovely, full uh, plates full of humble pie, but they're beginning to taste... Rather nice. Uh, unfortunately, didn't quite have the aftertaste uh, in injury time last week. Here's my report from the game in the showgrounds last Saturday afternoon. And you're very welcome here to a practically deserted showgrounds just moments after Shamrock Rovers came and broke the home side's heart here in injury time. A 2-1 victory for Shamrock Rovers over their hosts with a late Onyo O'Gorman header about two minutes into injury time settling this tie. But it was not as most pundits would have expected. Uh, Shamrock Rovers did open the score after eight minutes to Shauna Fox as she coolly placed the ball into the top of the net at the third attempt after a really well-worked training ground routine from a corner by the experienced duo of Stephanie Nauzambra, formerly Roach, of course, and her former teammate, uh, Anya O'Gorman at Piedmont. Both of them have made the move across the, the city, or across the, the N7, really, to Shamrock Rovers, and they both combined to set Shauna Fox up. Her first effort got blocked. It fell to the feet of um, Alana McAvoy, whose effort also blocked by a very very solid Sligo rear guard at times and unfortunately it fell to Fox at the far post and she coolly put the ball in the back of the net. It was all Shamrock Rovers in that first half but Sligo Rovers hadn't read the script and much like the start and end of last season a free kick about 25 yards out from goal uh, fell to Emma Hansbury and her deflected effort off the wall found the back of Amanda Budden's, Amanda Budden's net and it looked like it would be enough to get a fairly important point for Sligo Rovers in their first game of the season, one that they would be very, very proud of. But then it all fell apart in injury time as Onyo Gorman rose highest in a crowded defence area uh, to put the ball in the back of the net and seal the game for Shamrock Rovers. Uh, good day out for Collie O'Neill on his debut in the Women's Premier Division. Disappointment for Steve Feeney and his girls, but they'll be back if they continue to perform as they did today. They will take plenty of points from the showgrounds this season. But here today, it's Shamrock Rovers' day on their debut back in the league for the first time in eight seasons and it finishes Sligo Rovers 1 Shamrock Rovers 2 Collie O'Neill a uh, bit of a baptism of fire dominated the game but it he left it late I suppose on the basis of all of it yeah we probably deserved the win with the amount of chances that we created but the better side of it is it's great to see the character that's already here we never stopped we never stopped at all and it's it's, it's one thing that's very hard to probably uh, get inbuilt in the team, but it's, it's nice to see that character is there. I know we spoke to you a few months ago, just very, very new in the job. In terms of the last couple of months, how has that been for you? It's been tough. It's been really, really tough. We're still nowhere near where we want to be. Uh, we're probably only at about 60% of what we want to be. Um, well, at least it's a good start. Uh, it's a good, good, good foundation to build on. Talk us through today's game. You scored early on. It looked like the floodgates might open, but Sligo didn't really let you do that. You, they kind of controlled uh, and defended really, really well. There is. We, uh, we went away from our good style of play. We did create a lot of chances. We just didn't take them. We, we, we could have could and should have put it to bed um, by half-time. Um, but we knew Sligo would come at us for a little bit in the second half. But 
we tried to get that second goal. They got the equaliser. And then but it was nice that we pushed on, we didn't panic. We went we went again, which is a good good thing to see. What was going through your head when <coughs> four minutes goes up your level? First opening game, probably expected to come down here and win. Um, was there a bit of worry, relief when that ball when it hit the back of the net? Absolutely. I still, I still, I think I lost my voice now from from it. Um, but it's just nice to see the players get the rewards from all the work that's being put in. They've worked really, really hard, so it's, it's nice to see them get that reward. Nice to be up and running with a win. Absolutely. Just need the next one now quickly as well. Well done today. All right, thank you. Um, that's Colin O'Neill, obviously, of course, manager of Shamrock Rovers as well. We're going to hear from Steve Feeney shortly. Uh, might just jump straight into that, Aaron, if you're okay? Yeah, yeah. Steve Feeney, a bit of heartbreak at the end of that. Yeah, disappointing. Um, you know, you never want to concede that late, you know, and I felt like we'd kind of grown into the game and were probably justified to get a point. Um, but uh, Onya Gorman obviously pops up at the end and gets the winner for Shams, which is heartbreaking for us. But um, a lot to be kind of proud of the girls and positive from the performance, you know, and plenty that we can build on. I suppose coming into the game, there wasn't too many neutrals would have given you a chance against a star-studded Shamrock Rovers side and a really impressive performance from your girls. You've got to take a lot of heart from that. Yeah, that's it. Like you know, that's and that's what we said to the girls before the game. You know, everyone had us rolled off. Um, kind of similar to last season, I suppose. Everyone kind of rolled us off, and you could understand that last year we were brand new. Like, but we felt this year like we've we've progressed and we've you know gained a lot of experience. Like that we were hoping to to really push on this year and you know really kind of compete against teams. And I think we've done that today. Um, but again, it's one game, so we want to go again now. Addition of a couple of new girls to that squad that we saw first glimpses of today. The likes of Casey Howe was impressive in stages. The two Lockwees making their de- debuts off the bench. Um, having that quality coming in must be nice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like the girls are all you know technically good players, but what's really pleasing about them is you know they're they're, they're not shy of work rate and you know they're, they're here for the right reasons and they want to play in the league and progress in the league and um, they're exactly the type of player we want: young, hungry, uh, competitive, but technically good players. And they've definitely made a difference, and hopefully we'll see that over the course of the season. Long trip to Wexford next weekend. Of course, they were in the hunt for the league title last year as well. They've strengthened, brought in a couple of players like Emily Corbett. Um, can you keep this run going? Can you keep this performances going week on week? Well, I suppose that's the challenge for us, and that's what we want to do. You know, like Wexford, as you said, have strengthened very well. You know, um, brought in some really good players from the league and from outside it. Um, and I no doubt they'll be there thereabouts again this year. But it's up to us next Saturday to prepare for them and be ready for them, and you know, make sure that we turn up and give a good account of ourselves again. And um, you know, we we know from last season that we we bet them here, like so. We we won't go there with any fear, but at the same time, we have plenty of respect for Wexford. Some hard luck today. Thanks so much. Stephanie Roach, uh, thoughts after that win? Um, we had to battle for it. I think first half we played really well. We missed some good chances, myself included. Um, but thankfully we were able to battle it out and, and win dirty in the end. How have the last few months been for you? I know you've been busy with other stuff away from football, of course, yeah. uh, on our TV screens, dancing every week. But it, in terms of, I suppose, the football, it's a new club. It does bring different changes, even though it's not geographically that far from P-Mount. Yeah. It, it's a new world for you. Yeah, it's look, it's, it's a load of new players being brought together, but we're very good players. It's just about gelling now and trying to get ourselves into a, a good position in the league. I think coming into pre-season, there's a lot of changes in terms of players being away with international duty and trying to get the team to gel properly. Maybe it takes a little bit of time, but I'm just glad we've got the first win. Um, first game of the season is always going to be difficult with a new club, loads of new players, and I think this, it's just about kind of being patient and trust the process and just keep working for each other and, and it will all come together. First goal, of course, eight minutes in. Uh, nice little work there between yourself and Anya. We've seen that so often before <laughs> over the years. How nice is it to be back with, with, with that level of understanding in a brand new team? 
yeah, obviously myself and Annie have been playing together since we're, we're 12, so I won't be that used to the match on that. <laughs> uh, it's been a while, so yeah, definitely we always have that kind of good understanding of each other. Um, but I think a lot of the players in this team are, are clever players. Um, we're training, kind of trying to be intelligent footballers and make sure we make the right runs and look for the ball in the right positions. And look, as I said today, it wasn't uh, it wasn't easy, but we got the win in the end. That's all that matters. I know it's not Shamrock Rovers' first time in the league, but it's the return to the league. How important was it for you personally to be in that starting eleven and, and play a vital role in that first goal? Yeah, look, obviously, anywhere I'm playing, I want to be in the starting eleven. Everyone wants to play every minute you can. You can. Um, for me. Kind of coming to the later stages of my career, I just want to want to try and improve as much as I can at Rovers and just bring as much as I can. Excellent, well done, play. Thanks very much. Stephanie Roche there. Final interview is from Leah Kelly, fullback for Sligo Rovers. Leah Kelly, uh, disappointed with how that game finished up? Yeah, uh, we're gutted, absolutely. Um, it's so sickening, like, I think. We, uh, you know, had a class game, worked really hard, especially the second half. Um, came out you know like and upped it and then obviously a last minute goal like that is always going to be sickening. Well, last minute goals aside uh, it was a very very good performance from your side probably not what most people expect to come into the game today that you put it up to a team chock a block of internationals but you did exactly that. Yeah I suppose um, we knew uh, they were coming in with big names and uh, people were you know was talking them up but uh, we were quietly confident in a way that you know like our work rate, work rate would always um, compete in that way but uh, yeah. <laughs> I can see the almost the frustration in the, in the face. Yeah, frustration is a good word for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we won't go any further <laughs> than that. But in terms of, I suppose, the, the mood in the camp, obviously the results are not great today, but the performance really was probably above and beyond what most people expected coming in. So uh, has the mood been good in the camp? Is everything kind of really looking good for the season for you? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like if you take, like, obviously this is only our second year and uh, like come, our first game last year was a totally different story and you're looking at you know bigger issues than out there today so obviously we'll be annoyed for the first you know straight away after the game but we'll go back look at the positives if you're uh, up there competing with Shamrock Rovers till the last minute like just plenty of positives there so yeah well listen in terms of, of the the next couple of weeks long trip to Wexford next week yeah uh, it's a tough one just logistically to get your head around um but and again not going to be easy on, on the field either no, absolutely. Like if you even saw their their starting lineup today was insane. Like with the players they have, so it's the, the league never gets easier. It's not like you have one hard game and then you know easy games. But uh, like if again if we bring a performance, especially like our second half again next week, there's you know just you can't put us down. So. As an intercounty Gaelic player, you also are well experienced in these kind of big high profile games with a big crowd, seven hundred fifty three people here. How much does it help to have a, a kind of a fan base like that cheering you on? congratulating you when you do well yeah it was class like in fairness the fans were so good and it was kind of like was similar enough to the Shelburne game last year you know like the way they get, get behind us even if it's just a tackle like you know like them cheering us on and um, so it's great um and like you know you look we kind of want to make like Rovers nearly a coming through in the fortress so like people fear coming here so uh, that's what we'd be working on I think if you keep pulling out performances like that there'll be plenty of teams fearful before the end <laughs> of the season Leah hard luck on the result thank but you well done on the fantastic performance thanks thank you Leah, uh, I need to be a boxer. Leah Kelly chatting to us after the game at the weekend. A a very honest interview from herself, I suppose, in honest small four of them, but particularly, I suppose, the, the nature of the defeat. I think um, it's always tough to come out after that and speak. And she, she started by saying she was gutted. And I think that kind of sums up how well well Cyber Rovers actually participated in that game at the weekend. They, they really outdid everyone's expectations, probably if they're honest, even their own a little bit. I was massively disappointed for Sligo Rovers because I thought defensively, second half in second half, 
they they nullified Shamrock Rovers so much, and I think you could see at times if they could have got the final third clicking there on their front on their end, they could have potentially won the game themselves. But the only thing I will say, Colly said it, but Shamrock Rovers never gave up. They just kept going and kept going and kept going. And I think we haven't mentioned it yet, but what a ball by Leo Leary! What a pass! Put it on an absolute sixpence for Anya O'Gorman. She can't. She couldn't miss from there. It was it was just such a perfectly played ball, and I think from Sligo Rovers, they learning they they probably would have learned an awful lot of lessons. It'll be a it'll be a tough defeat to take just because of the manner of it. And when you've Wexford the week at when you've Wexford straight after it, it's probably not the sort of game you want to have to travel down to Ferry Carrick Park, as Leah said, with the the lineup that Wexford had. Although they only had a one to win, they had a lot of players who who'd come in like with the likes of Rihanna and Emily, so it'll be extremely difficult for them. But I think the fact that Sligo got such a great crowd as well is a massive positive. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. And the, the atmosphere in the showgrounds was brilliant. Um, Shamrock Rovers coming to town always brings out a bit of a crowd. There's a rivalry, definitely from the Sligo Rovers side, uh, there's a huge rivalry. And, and Shamrock Rovers are public enemy number one down in the town. And so whenever they come to town, it doesn't matter what they're, they're playing, uh, there will be a crowd. And it's a great atmosphere, full of young female footballers, there in their own club jerseys representing and it was just it's a really nice vibe i really hope they can keep that together this year and i think um definitely a tighter unit than we saw towards the end of last season and if they can play to that level through the season i don't think they're going to be in too much problem uh, at all i think i fancy them to finish in very comfortable mid-table position that, that really really impressed me and casey Howe, she had one uh, turn in the game where she took the ball and turned at the same moment put a ball in i think for emma doherty who had her shot blocked but it was probably the best constructed chance of the game um and they weren't outclassed at all against a team that arguably are packed full of international players so um future looks bright enough for, for sligo rovers um i'm not going to say too much negative with them again because that humble pie it's getting a bit monotonous now at this stage well, come shamrock, here. shamrock rovers though i think will get better through the season and i expect them to be in that title challenge I was impressed by them. The the front four effectively they kind of had a, a strange formation, but the three up front were one supporting. But the, the names and on, on on itself just were phenomenal. Alana McAvoy kind of in the middle of up front along with uh, Anya Gorman, Steph Rose. Steph Rose started in the middle and Alana and, and um, Anya on the sides. Leo Leary there as well, and they just had they just had bodies everywhere. It was talent to burn. It was a poor miss though by by Abby Ventures through one on one with Amy Mann. Thought she should have for an Irish international probably should have buried it in the second half. But my only concern for Shamrock Rovers is the midfield is that I still think they're a little bit light in the middle of the park. Yes, they're they're great on going forward and they've great defenders, but they just need to get that little transition there. But just in terms of Casey Howe, I'm I'm excited to see what she does this year. I think her and Emma Doherty could form a good partnership. The two lockeries as well were impressive. Quite young, but will bring something to that team as they go forward. Let's move on from that game. We touched briefly on Let's go back to Talca Park for that clash with Cork City. You said you were disappointed, but Shells impressed you. Shells impressed me massively, but the only thing is, and I said walking out of the game, I said, you can't take a awful lot away from Shelburne just because, I don't know, Danny Murphy even listened to him after the game. He was talking to Tony, I don't know who he was extremely disappointed with the performance from his side. Shells Shells were very good at Tasha Von Killeen. It's she wasn't as she wasn't great in the President's Cup the week before, but she was extremely good on on Saturday for Shelburne. They took her off in this in the second half, but she she took her goal very, very well. And now link up with Noel Murray. Going back to the old days, Noel putting Siobhan through Siobhan 
using their pace, getting past one and putting it into the corner and the net, and then Megan Smith Lynch with, with the two dinks. But I was impressed with some of the the new internationals who have come in. I thought Kayla Hamrick was very was very good. Maggie Pierce, I think the ones that come off the bench showed a little showed a little bit of what they are capable of. The biggest thing from a Shelburne point of view for me is last year I'd say Noel had 12, 13 players he trusted. And this year it looks as though he may have he has more that he can bring off the bench, plus the likes of the Kerry Letmans, Sophie Waters, and the Dean Clares come off the bench as well. So I think he has more of a squad this year that he, than he had last year. Yeah, um, we'll see how they fare out. I think they've done quite well to, to bounce back from the loss of so many players over the preseason to, to start the ball rolling. Uh, 6 0 is, is a nice way to get things up and running. And uh, moving a little bit further south, Treaty United hosted Bohemians. Uh, most people expected Bows to walk this. It didn't quite work out like that. They ended up winning the game, of course. 1-0 uh, with a Rachel Doyle strike late in the second half, but they were made work for it by a fairly resilient Trinity United side. I also had a, I had a chat with the, the Bows guys uh, at the, over the weekend, and what was said to me is Trinity will take points off people. That's what was said to me, and then people like they're they're a lot, they're a decent enough side, and I think Alvin's got a, he's got his hands worked his hands full there, but he's brought in, he's brought in some good players, some good young players. Like, as we said last week, we didn't really know an awful lot about them. And the fact that it was a penalty that all separated them and Bowes, it's it shows that they're, they're they are making improve they are making improvements. They'll continue to make improvements from a Bowes point of view. Erica Burke didn't play, so uh, Sarah Rowe played up top, probably not where she she's used to playing. But Bowes will just be happy to just get away with the three points. I think any team who gets a win on the opening weekend of the season, you're just happy just to walk away with three points because it's it's never easy to start your season off with it, especially on the road. Yeah, one other side with a late winner to uh, to get take all three points up from an away game. Where of course Wexford Utes they ran right to the final day of the season last year. Kira Rossler on target for them. Ten minutes to go uh, against a brand new look Galway United. Of course, a lot of similarities with Galway WFC from last season, but it is Galway United this year. Um, uh, thoughts on on how that panned out? Because I think for for me, I expected maybe three four months ago for Galway to be a force in this league. Can they do that? What did you make of the game on the weekend? I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure at the moment they can. They'll they'll definitely need additions to 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 make that to bridge that gap. But like I think Abigail Renan making team of the week. It's probably it's probably a fair a fair reflection of 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 where where she where she was in the game. Wexford probably could have scored could could have scored a couple of more. It was a lovely finish from from Kira Rossler in the end. I think. Wex, Wexford, it's it's a long trip as well. It's like you were talking to, to Lee Kelly going from Sligo to, to Wexford. Wexford going from Wexford to Galway. It's never easy, especially at two o'clock on a Saturday. You're out, you're out leaving early. It's a it's a difficult place. The drummers and all out naming and naming DC Park Galway and I trying to get a bit of an atmosphere up as well. It's 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 a sort of one for me that it's it is a lot of the same old faces as we said from from Galway WRC with Galway United minus the couple that they have lost. And the few they brought in, but they, again, they, they're another team who's who's probably exploited the overseas market a little bit to try and bring a couple of players in to to help shore up the squad. Absolutely. Well, let's take a quick look back through all of the results of the weekend. We we'll just bring it up here in front of us, and they are the results from the weekend. Piedmont United three one winners away to Athlone Town, while Shamrock Rovers had that Onyo O'Gorman injury time strike to thank for their victory in the showgrounds by Bowes. Uh, one 0 in Treaty, same scoreline in Amon DC Park in Galway as Wexford Youths ran out one 0 winners 
and Shells with that big win at or over in top Shells are the only team to be a home win last weekend. Well, that's what I love about the league is that sometimes you just can't really predict. I don't think we would have if we had had a, a prediction competition on the on the site. I don't think we'd have come close in most of those games last week. So um, I do like that kind of air of uh, unpredictability that we do get in the league. Of course, that has an impact on the league table. Uh, here we go, Shells top of the league on goal difference points in the second column there, uh, as we see Piedmont, Sharp Rovers, Bowes, and Wexford all in the top five. Based on their school difference, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you, I'm gonna put you on the spot here, just because you have that up on the screen. Without, without looking, can you tell me who the Bows player is? The Bows player behind, behind, uh, behind. Kier, Kier Bates Crosby. Got it, one. Is who it is. I, I don't know because I made the graphic about two minutes ago, um, before we started. Uh, in terms of the top scorers, uh, the <laughs> Kira Bates Crosby is there again. She's not on the score sheet though, unfortunately for Bohemians. Rachel Doyle, she's down. Uh, on that single goal strike. Two players with a base brace at the weekend. Kayla Hamrick and Megan Smith-Lynch, both of Shells, of course, got their seasons up and running with a nice double net uh, over the weekend. Actually, and, uh, Kamara, I, I never mentioned it, and I probably should mention just because I see her name right there. Rebecca Devereaux of Shelburne, the youngest ever player, to score, youngest Shelburne player ever to score men's or women in senior in, a, in the senior league. She's only she's only 15. I watched, she scored a goal for the Ireland under 17s the, the previous week. I watched her when she came on first. There was the first, her first effort was a shot over the bar. She literally took a touch, a little burst of pace, and had the confidence from the edge of the box to put it over the bar. I turned to somebody and said, She's going to be a, she's going to be a smashing player. For a couple of minutes later, what does she do? She gets the ball, comes past one, puts it in the bottom corner, past Abby McCarthy, and is thinking, Wow, what a way to mark your debut. She's somebody who I'm looking forward to watching a bit more this season from a Shell's point of view. Speaking of new scorers in the league, of course, congratulations to Daniel Fox, who got Shamrock Rovers opener. Oh, no, wait, that just depends on where you get your information from. Uh, there was a couple of outlets over the weekend. Uh, had a strange name for Shona Fox uh, on uh, the opening score of the game. We did kind of give them a little uh, tip on the shoulder and just said, hey, check that out. You might have the wrong name there. So we'll take credit for, for correcting that. But again, Shona Fox scores Shamrock Rovers first goal back at this level. In terms of clean sheets, three of them on Saturday afternoon. Maeve Williams, Rachel Kelly and Courtney McGuire all starting their seasons with shutouts. So uh, we'll keep an eye on those player stats as the year progresses. Before we go to this weekend's fixtures though, Aaron, I know we want to talk about this uh, new League Cup combination with the NIFL. Five of their teams, 11 of ours. It's going to be that opportunity for that. Uh, leave insert era time of the year and um, competition just to keep the legs ticking over it has the potential to be something really worthwhile for being involved in for the irish clubs your thoughts on it i think i think it's a, it's a it's a great first concept i'd like to see how it goes with the fact that it's being run off over such a short period of time uh, from if you look from a, a northern irish point of view i'd like to have a little bit of a deep dive into what happens with their league because it's only five teams it's not the entire league involved be it, so are they going to stop the league or how are they going to are they going to play midweek it's something it's a start that's the biggest thing for me it's a start it's positive that it's a start and we're, we're seeing something in terms of across communicate across border platform and, and it's something that we can hopefully build on how, how it's going to work we're not really sure until the draw is made we're not going to know where it are like for example you'd have a little bit of a concern for example if linfield draw cork 
is it really fair on either team to drag them to drag one to Cork or drag one to Linfield? So I'd hope in that sort of sense that you know there's a little bit of common ground for 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 both both sections across the across the league and same with likes of a Derry and Treaty and what how are we going to deal with this? You know that sort of thing. But I guess we, we'll get more information when we see the draws. We see what's happening. But it's always great to see these. We we seen in the in the in the men's for years with the, the likes of the Satanta Cup. Times it was really well followed and then sort of dropped off a little bit. So it's one to it's it's one to watch. But I'll definitely get it. I'll definitely row in behind it. Just a little. Um, just a, um, from a personal point of view, I'm just a little bit gutted with the date of the the final because it may be something that just reels out for me just because uh, when it's on because I'm uh, pretty sure I'm pretty sure when they were setting it up they weren't looking at your calendar <laughs> availability but at the same time for me the only downside to it is one team per group gets out and I think sometimes uh, you lose your first game or two third game will it even happen and that for me is a is a potential banana skin to the whole competition I think I'd love to see a, an event where the top two teams go to quarterfinal. I do realize it's an extra week, it's an extra fixture round of fixtures to be played, but I think it gives the competition that little bit more credibility and integrity in terms of games getting played. Anyway, maybe something, maybe something though, Breffin, that they they add to it just for the with the with the short runoff. That could be why they could be they could be limited just to want to get a player there and then. So I think we'll I think as the years go, there's there's definitely going to be learnings from year one, hundred percent. Yeah, that's the sort of thing. But like. The one thing I would like to know before the competition starts, and they probably can't give it to us, is like, do we have like, is it going to be a, a north venue for the final? Is it going to be a south venue for the final? You know, I'd like to see something maybe like the FAI Cup where maybe they say year one, even if it's up to north for the year one, year two, it's in, in the south. Just actually say, roll to say wherever, just just actually build it a little bit. But you'd be hopeful that. People row, people row in behind and give it, a, give it as, as much support as they can. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very, very positive addition to the women's calendar here in Ireland. We've got five minutes left in the show. Let's run through the fixtures for the weekend. Uh, Bowles play Shells in Daily Mount at three o'clock. Cork they host Galway United in Turner's Cross. Piedmont host DLR. We've spoken at length about that game already. Both those games at five o'clock. While Treaty United they make the journey to Shamrock Rovers at uh, the first team to play in a league game in Tallis Stadium in some years at kickoff at 5.30 there, while Sligo Rovers make that long trek that we spoke to Leah Kelly about down to Wexford Udes. Uh, any of those games immediately jump out at you? Dublin Derby always jumps out. Bows and Shells. The last one, the last one was obviously a draw in Talca Park, and Bows have never beaten them. That one stands out. I'm looking forward to just to see how 3D get on it's a, a, against against, against uh, Shamrock Rovers. It'll be difficult. The biggest question I've got, and it's one that we have to watch and see, is what sort of crowd the Shamrock Rovers get at that game. I know Cork are, some couple of Cork fans are trying to push for an attendance, but with the lads being away and slow going at night, it's it's a, it's a little bit difficult for difficult for them. And like every game, if you were to ask me to, to put it put a, a call every game, some of them I could probably say yes, this and this. But like we've seen before, I, I, I suspect we might get one or two twists and turns that maybe we didn't expect. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, I think. And we're really going to see, particularly the new teams and the new squads shape up. But given the movement over the this winter, we've basically got five or six almost brand new squads across the league. Um, if you had to put your house on it, I know Rebecca Cook, hugely influential in that game against Shells last year, former Shells player, 
for Bohemians. This year we have Sarah Rowe in that role. Could we see her maybe getting on the score sheet, breaking a couple of shells, hearts in more ways than one? If, if Shells played the way they played last week, it would take a massive, massive, massive balls performance to get anything out of it. And the question is, is what sort of gear were Shells in? And this is where we might find a little bit more about Shells this year, but this week. But I think they probably will be just too strong for Bowes and they'll get get, get another win. But I, I do suspect Bowes will be competitive. Can Cork bounce back against Galway? It's it'll be difficult. There's there'll be a bit of soul searching this week in terms of the sort of performance. Danny Danny in his pre-match press conference was talking about fifth. Danielle was talking to us about potentially fourth off the back of last week. It's gonna be difficult. Galway going down there. Having kept Wexford to one, Galway be be quite confident they can get something out of the game. I think for Cork they'll have to be at their best if the Arts go and go up. But I think it'll be it'll be a difficult play, difficult home game for them. Yeah, and the finally, I suppose the the last one I want to ask you about is uh, I suppose Sligo Rovers. They make the trip down to Wexford, and uh, we know the Gulf and the teams last year, despite Sligo actually beating Wexford in one game. Uh, will we see maybe whether Sligo are at the races this year on Saturday, or whether uh, last Saturday was a flash in the pan for them against their they're, uh, I suppose, public enemy number one, as I mentioned them earlier in the show. I think Steve Feeney's going to have his players extremely wound up and ready to go because last because of what happened last week. The, the question is, is that is if they concede early against Wexford, can they stop Wexford getting two, three? If they don't, they could find themselves in a, in a position where it's a slippery slope against a very powerful Wexford midfield and forward line. But then again, Wex would be disappointed they didn't put more past Galway last week. I think from a, a slide-up performance, if they could go, go go down there, yes, they may not get something out of the game, but if they could go, go and put another big performance in and keep it as tight as possible for as long as possible and build on last week, I think they'll be happy because then when they start to get into the teams in and around them, they'll be able to pick up some points because the likes of the Wexford game, the Shamrock Rovers game, they always knew at the start it's going to be a difficult, difficult start to the season for them. I have a family confirmation at the weekend. I'm not going to get a game oh. live in in the Women's League this week. We'll be looking at one or two kind of sneakily in the corner uh, of the, the party afterwards. You get to a game for yourself? Absolutely. I'll be in, I'll be in Daily Mount Saturday, Saturday evening. I think Bows are bringing in a crep fan and all they are to try and get the, the fans through the gate. That's crep with an E, folks, not an A. <laughs> uh, so listen, uh, Aaron, as ever, it's been a pleasure having you uh, with me for the last hour or so. To Graham Kelly, who joined us for the first time in th the third season of the show. We must have invited him on earlier, uh, but uh, he's always put the girls front and centre, and that's so important that we decided we booked the trend on International Women's Day by having an all-male show, almost. Um, but it's been one of those kind of days. It's been a great day uh, for women's sport in Ireland. You look across social media and see all the outpouring of support for all the women's um, teams and players and athletes around the country, but particularly in the women's Premier Division of the League of Ireland this year. Uh, we're looking forward to round two this weekend. From Aaron and myself, uh, thanks to everyone who participated in the show. We'll be back with you again next week for another show. Uh, we're going somewhere a little bit different next week if what we have planned uh, comes off. It could be an interesting show. Don't forget to uh, check in and stay on board and follow us on all of our socials as well. We'll talk to you again next week.